0: Previously on Film Code, the losing streak for cracking the code continues. His code word was ball. Uh, his clues were that it, the movie took place between uh, 1995 and 2000, and that it would star someone who was a part of the Expendables. So,
1: um, <laughs> so um, I went with. 2000 Snatch by Guy Ritchie, not really sure where, not really sure where a ball plays into that, but um, it stars Jason Statham, who is in The Expendables, which was part of his clue, so I got two out of three. Again, not too confident, but when I was looking through everything else, couldn't find anything.
0: As we know, Jeremy is not known for picking the most critically acclaimed films when he does his code work. <laughs> So with that, I also went with Jason Statham uh, in this uh, movie that I think is god-awful and got no love. And I think has like a one-two on Letterboxd. Uh, <laughs> is a movie called uh, Turn It Up. That also stars Ja Rule. That lets you know how bad it, of a movie it is. Not referring to the first Expendables. He was referring to the Expendables franchise. And this person appeared in the, I think, second Expendables movie. These rules aren't fair. Yeah. <laughs> and that person is Wesley Snipes. The movie is from 1996, and it is called The Fan. This week, it's Phoenix's turn with a brand new code All right, so your code word is foreign. Your clues are it is a movie that takes place between 2000 and 2005. Thank God. And your other clue is it is a predominantly female cast. So there we go. Foreign, 2000 to 2005, female-fronted cast, and your star had a movie that was dropped this year can the streak finally be broken? Plus, the guys discuss the new Netflix original movie I'm thinking of ending things. And a discussion on the filmography of one Samuel L. Jackson. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now in what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Film Co. How's it going? My name is Phoenix, and I am joined today by uh, three of my co-hosts. First off, I want to say hi and welcome, officially,
2: as a member of the show, to Brandon. Brandon, what's going on, sir? How are you? Good, everybody. How are you guys? It's good to be on, officially, to be on, uh, per- well, I guess I guess I can say permanently. Uh, just, it feels great. <laughs> Feels great to be back in another podcast family. Um, the last one I was on didn't work out too well, so it's <laughs> it's great to be back in another podcast family with some people I really enjoy talking with. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be back on. I'm ready to talk um, about some cinema and some not cinema with you guys. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna. turn <laughs> It should be fun. All
0: right, and also joining us today, he's giving us a great look at his ceiling fan. Uh, how are you today, Nick? What's going on, man?
3: Been good, been good. Um, super happy to be back for yet again another week. This time there's NFL football on, so super happy to, to have some football on. Um, but you can find me at Nick Spain on Letterboxd, and you can find all my hot takes. And Nathan and I are starting our David Fincher marathon with this week.
0: Nice all right speaking of the guy he's also here joining us Nathan how you been man? I'm
1: good thanks for asking for uh, everyone listening thanks for clicking on the show just wanted to uh, officially reiterate officially welcome uh, Brandon as a permanent host you know we've been buddies for for a couple years now so happy to to bring you on and join uh, Film Coda officially. So congrats on that. And um, Thanks, like like Nick mentioned, we're starting David Fincher Marathon. So we'll be logging all of Fincher's movies. We just watched seven last night. So for our take on that, head over to our letterbox. For me, you can find me at NathanPig. That's two G's. Um, yeah, just really excited to, to talk about some big releases finally. So can't wait.
0: Ooh, all right. And a uh, big release, I think, is, is an oxymoron for the movie that we are about to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, we finally, well, I, I guess finally is not right. Anyway, uh, Netflix has a new Charlie Kaufman picture, and it is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It is an adaptation of the book from, oh God, I had the author's name. Uh, Elo Ray, something like that, or uh, the, I'll have to double check something on that. like that. Yeah, but uh, it is. I'm thinking of ending things. It stars Jesse Buckley and Jesse, Plemons. Plemons. Thank you. Uh, double Jesse action. Double Jessies. Uh, so I just finished this movie last night. Literally about I don't know nine hours ago. Um,
3: would you watch at like two
0: a.m.? Yeah, I, I think I finished at two a.m. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, So, since I was the last one to watch it, you guys, I think, were the first ones to watch it. Why don't you guys give us your first impressions? Nathan, we'll start with you. What's your first impressions of I'm Thinking of Ending Things?
1: Yeah, so just um, real quick, just so for the audience and for the four of us who are on the same page, I think we're going to give a little bit of a non-spoiler talk, uh, and then we'll let you know when we get into spoilers, so... Uh, non-spoiler talk. This is this is crazy. Um, this definitely is not a movie for everyone. I'm sure we're going to find that out when you hear our opinions. Um, this is a movie that challenges you to pay attention. We talked about Tenant last week and how that really challenges the audience to focus on what's going on. This is kind of a different way of challenging you. Um, there's little details that will change. There's things in the story that. They talk about that. You're like, this absolutely does not make sense for what's going on in the story, but it'll come back to play later. Um, you won't understand what's going on after the first time you watch it. This is absolutely one of these uh, movies that you should YouTube a couple of different videos. And then after that, maybe your appreciation will grow. I know for me, it definitely did. Uh, when we concluded the film, I was like, okay, it was really good. I really enjoyed it, but I don't get it. And after youtubing it and understanding, I had a lot more appreciation for it. I think one thing that you have to talk about with this movie is the performances. Uh, Jessica Buckley does a fantastic job. I'm not familiar with her in anything. I know she's in Chernobyl, which I want to watch, but just haven't gotten around to that. She's great. Jesse Plemons is a guy that I always think is good in everything he's in. You know, we know him from from Breaking Bad, Game Night, uh, El Camino, a couple other things as well. But Black Mirror. Yeah, exactly. So he's not someone that's like a a star actor by any means, but he's definitely got the talent. I enjoy him in anything. Um and then you get Tony Collette who has a minor role in this but of course is is a great actress as well. So I think all the details in this movie really blew me away and the performances as well, but I've already been talking for a couple of minutes. I don't want to go on too long. So, Nick, go ahead. Uh yeah, so I'll try and touch on some different notes
3: as Nathan did, but I do want to mention the the performances, David, uh, with, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce, um, it's Professor Lupin from the Harry Potters, yeah, Thulis, David Thulis, um, he was the other, um, of the four, like, quote-unquote main actors, I would say, in this film, but, yeah, um, you know, we talked about Tenant and Nathan and I talked about how confusing it was, how, like, frustrating, it was throughout the whole film um, made that pretty evident but this film yes while it was confusing while it challenged you while it made you really pay attention more so than any other movie that I've probably ever seen in my life um, it was more of like a mysterious confusing like you were like it was like you kind of had a pen and paper in your head and you're like marking down like okay this was different that was different okay this changed all right that changed and like you just kept that like mental record of everything that changed over time, and you kind of like were building your own case about what it meant. I mean, you know, Nathan and I didn't get the um, the meaning of this movie on the on the head of the nail at, at you know at first, um, but we we threw our ideas out there and had fun with it. But yeah, the performances are great, um, the story's great, um, and this is just finally a 2020 movie. That gets over that, you know, okay and good bar for me. So I'm super excited to, t- to talk spoilers in a in a few minutes. So if who, Brandon wants to take over or Phoenix, whoever wants to go next, go
2: ahead, Brandon. I guess I'll go. Ah, uh, I, non spoiler. I've never been more bored, but also confused at a movie in my life. Um, bored. But it's it's yes. odd
1: because you love Tenant. That's just where I, I like. See, but Tenant isn't, isn't boring.
2: Tenant isn't boring. Go ahead, take it away. So, about twenty minutes in, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, God, they're just sitting in this car the whole time. I I can't go into more spoilers until we get to spoiler talk. But they're just sitting there. I'm like, and I say I see, I'll see a, a few of my friends on Discord. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to join them for a little bit, <laughs> and then I hung out with them for an hour, played Among Us. Got back to the, move, to the movie. Watched another hour. Rip, fell asleep. Watched the rest of it this morning. I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> I've I, I've just never been more like irritated watching a movie in my life. I, I, I like, you must have, you must have
3: seen the, another cut of Tenant than us.
2: <laughs> uh, so, but Jesse Plemons is great um, as always. Um, I I had to look at the cast because I'm like, because the dad looked familiar. I'm like, wait, that's Professor Lupin. No way. (laughs) But uh, that's all I got to say about it, non spoiler. So, Phoenix. I'm really
1: excited to hear what Phoenix said because over the last month, Phoenix has played everything close to the chest, and we have no idea what he's thinking (laughs) until we learn when you learn what Phoenix thinks. Mm -hmm. So, I'm excited to hear this.
0: Okay. Uh, First off, I adore Jesse Buckley. Uh, another movie to check her out in is Wild Rose. Uh, I believe it was 2018. Fantastic movie. She was also in Lucy with uh,
3: uh, Renee Zellweger.
0: Bro. Oh, okay. Yeah, that okay. was last year. Um, fantastic actress. I, I I adore her in pretty much everything she does. She's great in this. Um, Tony Tony Collette is pretty much like you know, it's almost like a reprise of her hereditary character. Uh, not, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, not as, you know, in, I guess, uh, volatile as that character, but still sort of, like, out of it. Um, I'm The first, like, I want to say, like, 30, 40 minutes of this movie, I was, like, all the way in. I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is weird. And right at the moment when... It, it starts playing with, you know, I, I guess time it's, or... Its or, themes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is is when it loses me. It, it loses me entirely. And then it never gets me back. Like, it's a movie that, like, starts off one way and it stays on that, on that tone for so long, you think that's what this movie's gonna be. And then as it goes on, it changes tonally, it changes theme. Over and over again, it just, it loses me to the point where I was, like, hate watching, like, the last hour. Hate like just, watching. Yeah, just, like, get this over with. Like, please get this over with. It's two hours, two hours and 30 minutes long. Like, it's way too damn long. It's way too stuck up its own ass. It's so dry. It's one of the driest movies I think I've ever
1: seen. Um, no. <laughs> What's crazy is, like... If you would have told me before we all watched it that two of us would hate it and two of us would love it, I would think that Nick and I were the two that hated it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Like, I, where in the history of film code has Phoenix just hated something that Nick Ooh. and I love? That's a recent release. That's a recent uh, release. I, mean, <laughs> I, I thought I we think were. This might be the I, first time in the show's history. Honestly, I thought we would have I, all agreed. Uh, honestly, when I
0: saw that you guys had both given it four stars, I was like, oh, please, let let me let us all like this. Let us all like this.
1: And then I was like, no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I guess the last thing that I'll say before we, we talk spoilers and break the barrier is mm-hmm. um, I think that for me personally, just want to touch on what you said, Phoenix, like the mystery of what exactly was going on and trying to figure out myself what mm-hmm. was going on was enough to keep me invested. I think that, like you know, as certain scenes progress, especially in that last hour where they, um, you know, leave the one setting that they had previously been in for a majority of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I was like, I'm still just trying to piece this all together, and they go to the one little, the one little stand. And I think that's a real big, big point in the movie. And it's like still just trying to communicate and figure out, because when you're watching it, you feel like they're going to give you the answers. Uh Um, So I, I, for me personally, and I feel like Nick's the same way, the mystery was set up so perfectly that it kept me invested. And I had a couple of people two actually say to me, like, just knowing your taste, Nathan, you're not going to like this because it's so slow and dry and that like motivated me to pay attention a lot more, and motivated me to to notice all the little things it does well. So, um, if anyone wants to say anything else before we before we break the uh, before we break the seal on spoilers,
3: uh, yeah, well, I'll,
0: I'll go, no, oh, go ahead. ahead.
3: Go ahead, Nick. I was gonna say this is this is my first Charlie Kaufman film, mm-hmm. um, you know, directing wise. I've I've seen a couple movies that he's wrote. Um, but this is my first Charlie Kaufman film. Nathan and I tried to watch, um, Sinodache New York or whatever the fuck the name of that movie is. Synecdoche.
0: Synecdoche.
3: Yeah. I mean, Nathan and I say Sinodache. So, you know,
1: um, (laughs) are you serious? It's not called Sinodache. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. No, like, are we not even fucking around? Like you're serious. That's what it's called. (laughs) Yeah. Synecdoche. Synecdoche. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God.
3: but, um, you know, this is my first Charlie Kaufman film. And, you know, this movie came out absolutely fucking nowhere. Like, there was just one day on Twitter, they were like, Charlie Kaufman's new film releases on Netflix in two weeks. And I was like, who the hell? What the hell, you know? So to so like this film, I was super happy after I knew who it was. So, there's my little, my little two
0: cents. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the mystery, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the The mystery is not nearly enough to keep my attention is like, like that, that first, I love the tone of that first 40 minutes of the movie. Like, it's just so, it's like intense. It's very interesting. I loved all of the car conversations. I'm like, this is going somewhere and just, it, it stifles its own progress. Uh, but let's, let's get into spoilers. Cause I'm, I'm getting tired of, censoring myself uh (laughs) (laughs) all right so spoilers uh yeah nate uh kick us off what did you want to want to go with
1: yeah i think like i said this is absolutely a movie that you won't understand and if you're still listening to us you've seen the movie or you don't care to hear what we're about to say Uh, regardless that ending real the the like last few moments with the janitor Uh, definitely pulled me out a little bit. I was like, what is going on? He strips walking with the pig. That was definitely a what the fuck moment. And I still can't really get behind that scene. I still think that that's misplaced. But as far as the whole ideology of what's going on in this movie with um, like it's Jesse Plemons characters, Jake, it's his memories um, about what could have been and Jessica Buckley's character is a metaphor for like all of the mistakes he's made in life, whether it be with women, not confronting women that he wants to talk to um, his painting, his dog, like everything in his life. Um, It's his memories, his regrets, things like that. And I think once you stop taking this movie so literally and, credit Nick, Nick's Nick's the person that told me this. Once you stop taking this movie so literally and like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. I think it helps you buy into it a little more because, you know, um, memories are confusing. Like, obviously, you know, you don't remember everything, especially from when you're younger. And it's just one of these movies that he's trying to rearrange in his head how things actually happened. And yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about more of that. I'm sure, but uh, someone else take it away.
2: Okay, I'll I'll agree with you. What in the actual fuck was that janitor scene? Like he's just like he looks at his windshield after having like almost a stroke or a heart attack or something. And he just sees the cartoon characters. And I'm like what the fuck?
3: So ba- basically, Brandon, I the the meaning of the ending is so. If you remember, she um. Lucy or whatever her name was, she gets left in the car, and she says something, and she's like, how long does it take to die of hypothermia? Um, so when Jake, as a janitor, goes into the car, that's kind of like his thing of like, oh, how long does it take to die from hypothermia? Because he takes all all his clothes, and you know, the ending scene is like the car covered in snow, basically him dying of of hypothermia so he was already dead when like the pig came so the pig basically like delivered him to wherever he was going so that was kind of like what that what
2: that was did you guys th- and, <laughs> did you guys stick around through the credits i did yeah there was a car engine so. that revved at the end of the credits
1: yeah we we i saw that in a youtube video but we didn't we didn't stick around
0: yeah yeah it ended so abruptly for me that I was like, there has to be something after the credits. So I stuck around to see that. And when I saw that that's all it was, I was even more frustrated. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, it's not the ending that, that m- makes me the maddest, honestly. It's that middle part when they're uh, at his house. When shit his, starts to hit the fan? Yeah, at at his family's house and and, you know they're there she's awake and then she's dying and then she's old and then he's older and, and she's in his young, room like and,
2: picking up toy like kitty yeah,
0: toys. I'm just like, um, like, like if, if it's me, right. And you know, like you said, I think what you guys pointed out is great that she was like a manifestation of his, of all of his failures and things like that. And all of his memories that makes a lot more sense now because watching it straight through, I was like, if I'm in a house where the, the parents are getting older and dying and then young again, like I'm leaving. Like, well, so I'm, like <laughs> this is just I not said, my I said that once
3: too in the movie, is like when he when Jake like slams his fist on the table to like shut his mom up, I was like, I'd leave right there. I'd yeah. be like, We need to go. You know. <laughs> Especially if so. this is somebody who like you're already saying I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, which, you know, obviously like all that was just kind of like a, you know, not real, but like if I was, you know, taking it from the literal sense. If I was like, Oh, I want to leave this relationship. I'm just doing this to, you know, go through the motions. And then he fucking goes off on
1: his mom like that. I'd be like, all
3: right, we need to go. Like
1: I already need to go. So wait, did, I think since Phoenix and Brandon just watched this late last night, Did you guys get the opportunity to look at any theories or YouTube videos or explained or anything? I didn't want
2: to.
0: Yeah, no, and and I I feel like you know maybe this is a movie that needs that, but it
1: does. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's going to completely change the way you feel. I don't think you're going to go from how you feel now to absolutely loving it. Mm. But this is. 100 percent more than any movie i've ever seen something that you need those explained videos you need theory videos for what things actually mean more than just watching it and digesting it because no one no one knows what all this means
0: yeah see and, and to me i'm like if i need that i don't i don't like the movie you know what i'm saying i've seen a lot of movies where they have those like oh you know explain the ending or whatever and I'm like I don't need to watch that I know what the ending meant uh you know what I'm saying but here I was just like I, I don't care I like by that by the middle of that that second or third tone change I was like you know what I, I don't give a shit I was like so I was like,
1: I quit. so she's not real like Jessica picture's yeah. is not real at all right yeah it's and I don't know if you guys noticed this but like he calls her different names throughout the movie right and called her Ames, right? Yeah. There's like yeah, he called her like five different names. Lucy. Yeah. So she's not real, and like those are all women that he either liked or wanted to to you know Today. make a move on something like that. Yeah. And it's a culmination of all of his regrets. And then like when she's yeah,
3: kind of like his dream dream person. Yeah.
1: When she's showing the paintings on her phone like at the dinner table Mm -hmm. that's like his way of communicating to his parents like i wanted to be a painter that's my dream but like you guys shut it down and that's a part of my life that i wish i had but instead i bury it away inside me because i'm embarrassed because and the the whole movie is like that um yeah
3: and if you and if you notice like when you know, they first come to the house, there's, like, it was either one or two times where Jake was, like, oh, and they're coming down now, and they never do, and then when, you know, he shakes his dad's hand for the first time when he gets back, like, his dad's not even looking at him um, because they just didn't have a good relationship, and uh, um, when, uh, you know, Jesse um, is explaining how her and Jake met, the whole thing was, like, she said that he was looking at her at like a trivia night and you know, he, she like went over and talked to him. Um, but like in all actuality, the thing that happened in real life is that he was being a creep and staring at somebody mm-hmm. and that they wanted to like get away from him because he was being so fucking weird. Mm. So that was kind of like his thoughts of like, oh, this is what should have happened.
1: And those two examples are two of maybe 15 that, yeah are overarching stories that when you watch it literally and try to think of real world like this is so weird how are they aging and now they're young again like it obviously would be very confusing and frustrating but when you look at it in the sense that like these are his memories and regrets and things that like a dream scenario um like hit working his way it's as if like imagine if you could go inside your brain and like relive memories and like you're there at memories that happen from your past it's somewhat similar to that not exactly but it it kind of is so why don't you guys yeah does that make sense a little more actually yes thank you so
0: much that that cleared up a lot of things and guess what the movie still sucked
1: Okay. I I really think you guys just need to watch an explain video for people that aren't Nick and I. Listen,
0: listen, listen. Yeah, you need to do that
2: with
1: I completely,
0: I'm on board. I'm on board with everything you guys have said. That makes so much more sense. It even makes my experience of the movie more enjoyable now that I got all of that. However, where it loses me is in the execution. Like, period like you have a great idea, you have a great concept, right? All that, all that has to take place right now is how you execute. Here, the execution was a fail. That's all. It was just a fail. Uh, There was no way to tie those things in without an explainer. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I need to do that step, then you failed. So like, I don't know where you put that in. I don't know how you edit the movie differently so that that comes across. But leaving it out on purpose basically says to me, like, oh, I'm so artistic that you have to learn more in order to appreciate what I do. And I'm like, screw you.
2: Uh, Wait, (laughs) did you say artistic? Did you say artistic? Okay, okay. Artistic. Sorry, the see way. put on an accent
0: see, for that.
3: That was terrible. But see, like Phoenix, that's the exact same way that I felt about Tenet. It's like, okay, fuck you, Nolan. You were trying to outsmart <laughs> me, and you were trying to prove that you had see, the bigger everything
2: brain. There, everything is there. All the cl- all, You don't even need context clues. Everything that needs to be explained is right there. No, and like, in front of I, your no, eyes. No, this I, movie I doesn't have it.
1: I disagree. Like Without getting too much into Tenant, because we talked about that last week, for oh. those of you who want to listen to that episode... If you're listening to this, you can listen to that. It's our last episode. Um, I think I, Nick and I totally are on the same page with this. With Tenet, it's a, it's a story <laughs> that you shouldn't have to explain. Like, like with this movie, right? The artistic choices, the, the theories, and what it's fundamentally trying to say about someone who's broken, someone who has regrets, that's not something that you can explain easily. What are you gonna do? Have him sit down and narrate over the whole thing? Like, I, I understand that you I, want it to, there. I understand <laughs> that you want it to be less confusing. Like, I do get it, and I get what you're saying about if I have to YouTube it, I it I shouldn't I shouldn't have to do that with anything. But there are plenty of movies where you have to YouTube the ending because the themes they're trying to tackle are just so big. With Tenet it's time travel. That's not hard to understand. It's Tenant, they Right. That it's shouldn't different. be hard. But with tenant, they didn't understand. They didn't tell you who's who, what's what, what are they doing? What motivates them? Where are they going? Who's that person? And then they're like, Oh yeah, here's this inversion time travel with <laughs> this. It's all the same thing. Like from the beginning, it's him looking back at his memories and, I just, I I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I really think if you guys find the right YouTube video for it, your opinion will at least change a little bit as far as the execution. Listen,
0: my opinion has changed. I went from this being a one star movie to now being a two star movie. Okay. One star. Uh, One and a half. Yes. Uh, Like, like, you guys have given me a whole one star. Congratulations. Great job. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe if you found a good YouTube video that talked about it more, you'd add another star.
3: No. My, my you thing, know why? My
0: the th- movie was two thing. and a half hours long. I'm not watching an addendum to a two and a half hour long movie, okay? You failed. I'm sure, I'm failed. sure there's movies
3: out there that you like that are two and a half hours long.
1: So, the scene with... But the they're janitor, good. So this, <laughs> the scene in which the couple is dancing... And, like, the janitor comes in and stabs him. that's What was that? So that's, like, him picturing what his life could have been with the girl that he loved at the time and, like, them dancing, being happy and stuff. That's, like, what could have been if he was bold enough to go talk to her, bold enough to make a move. But then the janitor is a metaphor for, like, who he is as far as not being a confident person uh, okay, okay. Okay. being on, kind of like on, a creep. Let me, so let, me like... let me.
0: stop you. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Okay. So, I got you on the whole, you know, that he's, that all of these are memories and that she's a manifestation of all of his regrets. Get all of that. Get all of okay. that. Okay. Now, what happens now, that scene in particular, okay, and this is where, like I said, this is where it loses me because there's too much metaphor here. Like there's just too much. Okay. I get what you're saying about her. If that if that had been the entire story, fine. Perfect. Great movie. No problem with it. What happens after that is now we're delving into specifics. Now it's like, "Oh, this is a metaphor for this and and this is a metaphor for this and and this is a metaphor because of because of this that happened before." And then no like you're convoluting yourself it's way too much you're overdoing it stop no sorry no I don't buy into that last scene I felt if that was anything that should have been the most literal scene it wasn't I'm sorry it's a throwaway it was a throwaway Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think
3: Phoenix uh, are you a fan of of Tarantino yes Okay. Tarantino's my favorite director Okay, well, same here. So the reason why it was, you know, Nathan and I disagree on Inglorious Bastards*. Um, yeah, there's two Tarantino posters right there. Nathan and I disagree on Inglorious Bastards*. One of the scenes that he does not like that is one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is don't don't start shaking your head.
0: <laughs> is
3: is in the uh, the pub downstairs that right. like 20 minute scene.
0: Yeah,
3: I love that scene, Nathan. You you can. You know, say whatever you want. You can cut that
1: whole scene out and it wouldn't matter.
3: Anyway, I love that scene. This movie was like Tarantino cranked up to the max because Tarantino loves his dialogue. He loves long scenes. And that's exactly what this was. And that's exactly why it was right at my wheelhouse. There was never a time where I was like, oh my God, I'm so bored. Like, because the dialogue mattered. Like every single line of dialogue mattered. It did. I know you can laugh and shake your head. But every single thing that was said, it made – it connected back to something. Like, when she read that poem, that he that, was like, wow, that, poem, that, that was amazing. Was po- yeah. yeah. It wasn't her fucking poem. It was written by some guy.
0: Right. Like,
3: it was it was written by, like, an actual poet. Right. Like, and, and he was like, oh, is that about me? Like, there was no – like, that wasn't his. Like, that wasn't her poem, mm-hmm. you know? I so, like
1: – I don't think we're going to convince
0: them. I'm not going to. Like what you're talking about, like that entire, the first scene that they have in the car. Oh my God. Juicy. Loved it. So good. So rich. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I swear. And then they got to the house. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that was great. I was eating it up. I'm like, bro, I see why this is so good. And then that that tone shift, I was like, okay, this is weird. Not really sure where this is going. And then it just completely just goes off a cliff. I'm sorry. It just goes off a cliff. Did we talk about that
2: ice cream parlor scene where they get to (laughs) – The
3: two girls working at the ice cream parlor, those were the two girls that in the beginning – were like mocking him when he was the janitor. So he like felt resentment to like those two girls yeah, because they like were an, so mean
1: to him. It's like an embarrassing situation for him or any time around those girls. Yeah. And the one girl with like the, the rash on
3: her arm that was actually nice, like she was the nice girl to him when she when he was at the school being a janitor.
1: <sighs> let's just let's Let's give our final scores then.
0: No, 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 wait, no, wait. Because there's something I have to talk about. Okay. All right. Um, I could, like, like I said, you guys have raised my, my, my score from a one star to a two star. Uh, but there's one thing I absolutely, and I mean absolutely, and I mean absolutely, will not forgive. Okay. Okay. The makeup in that final scene
2: was. Oh my God. It's intentional.
1: It's intentional. He's dead. Horrible. It's it intentional. Was horrible. Okay, That's were the they point. dead? Were they dead? Yeah. They were dying. Yes. Yes. He
3: was dead. That was like his like dream. He was dead. That was like he wanted to sing in Oklahoma because that was his favorite. He was like a physicist. He wanted to be a physicist, so he won a Nobel Prize while he was singing Oklahoma. He was dead. The pig brought him out of the froze frozen car. After he died of hypothermia, brought him into the school, and that was his, like, welcome, like, through the gates moment. Like, he was dead.
0: Yeah. Everybody yeah. in there was
3: dead. That was his culmination
0: at the end. And the makeup's supposed to be bad. The, 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 the makeup was, like, no, it wasn't just bad. Like,
1: okay, it's supposed to make you but, say what you're saying.
0: Yeah, okay, it was, it, like, then then I, I, I still can't forgive it. It was it was horrendous. I'm sorry. But, oh, but you God. saying that
1: is exactly what they were going for.
0: You are going for oh. horrendous makeup.
1: Yes, in that scene. Yes, you know, that's the point. You're, that's you're the screwing stylistic yourself choice.
0: yourself out of an Oscar. Uh,
2: no. No, sorry. No, that's terrible. What brand
1: just ask?
2: I said you're screwing. So you're basically trying to screw yourself out of an Oscar. I mean, it was, it was, okay.
3: Like, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till they win uh, makeup for for Oscar. <laughs> I swear to God if they do, I can't we're, throw, wait.
0: We're, burn, we're burning down the Dolby Theater. Uh, Listen. <laughs> like I really can't wait, Phoenix. Like, bro. Okay, I get dead. I I get dead. But this was like, it was like half makeup, half CGI, and they both were like, like no incomplete. Like that's what it looked like. It looked like it, it was CGI, and it was both incomplete. It wasn't done all the way. It's it just it was it it was I I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. It was just it was the most jarring thing to see and for whatever reason it just did not make any sense it it, it was thrown it was just thrown in in a, in a place where it's like I just don't care at, at, at this point I don't care anything about this movie and then you put the most atrocious makeup I've ever seen on people for whatever re- I, I don't know I
1: sorry but that's the point
0: Well, they failed at the point. All right. So
1: (laughs) for me, it's four stars. That's an A minus. I pretty much loved everything about this. Uh, Even just talking about it right now makes me want to rewatch it. Um, Really enjoyed this. As of the time we are recording this, it's easily far and away the best movie of 2020 so far. No. In a year where we have disappointments all around. Uh, from Tenet, Shirley, Project Power, disappointments everywhere. This easily, yeah. no. easily is the best movie of twenty twenty. Not even at the time of this recording. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: I'm I'm on the same boat, Nathan. Four stars. Um, no, I I love this movie. Nathan and I were guessing all these like supernatural, um, you know, demonic meanings that were behind the movie, and once I found out that it was memories, I loved it even more. Um, this is a movie that could, could go up um, after I rewatch it later on in the year, around the end of the year. Um, but this is this is definitely the best movie of the year. But I challenge the devil all the time, which we'll be talking about next week, to beat this movie because I'm super fucking hyped for that movie.
2: Uh, Phoenix
3: Brandon, somebody?
2: Oh, my God. Here's where it's ranked on my 2020 list. That's a, <laughs> that's, oh that my, bad. that's a joke. I put it, that's a joke. I li- I put it under Scoob.
1: That's Cap. Scoob
2: was so bad. But this movie was so worse. You you
3: need to see more 2020 movies because you haven't seen Cass. I haven't had a chance. You you (laughs) haven't seen The Hunt. You haven't seen anything that's one stars.
0: Okay. Okay. To be fair, yeah, you do need to see more 2020 (laughs) releases. But that's about right for where uh, this movie should be. Uh, This movie is two stars. Like, nope. like I said, congratulations. I
2: gave it, it half a star.
0: Yeah. yeah. No. Wow. Oh wow. no. Wow. No. There wow. No of There are a lot of half star reviews for this. I'm not going to lie. There's oh. no way. I'm sorry. Everybody who, gave,
3: everybody who I follow on Letterboxd, if you gave this movie half star, you're getting unfollowed. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This movie was trash. It was hard to sit through. It was slow. It was dry. It was drab it had the worst editing choices I've ever seen it was uh, a bad makeup.
1: Bad storyline. Oh my God!
0: Horrible. Like not,
1: situation. not, not, not everything can be knives out, guys. Not everything can be knives and, out, and
0: and everything should be. You know, like it's no, just everything it's just, would be three stars. If we we have to we we have out. to
1: we have to outgrow our twelve-year-old storylines and, <laughs> and, and and dick jokes. Okay, but hold, and, hold on, hold on,
0: hold on. First off, first off, I want to say this. I have to say this. Oh, okay. Brandon's
3: at the the theater.
0: At, at Okay, at the 40-minute mark, maybe like an hour in, I was like, okay, let me get this straight. Nathan shits on Never Rarely, Sometimes Always and, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire and says, it's just people talking. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? That was all. This movie was did just not, people talking. Not that notice, was the entire movie. Did you? And not I notice thought maybe, all the details. Changing? I thought maybe a tone would change, a shift would change. Maybe there was something that would happen that would be like, "Oh, okay." There's more than just people talking. No, that was Phoenix. this entire movie Phoenix. just people talking. Phoenix. And the, like great dialogue in some scenes. Not gonna lie, Phoenix. but
1: this was pointless.
0: Phoenix, I
1: have a crucial drag. question for you. Go ahead. Crucial. Did you uh, watch this on your phone? No. Uh, did you watch this on your TV? No. Where did you watch this? I watched it on my laptop. I don't think that was a big enough screen to notice all the minor detail changes. I don't care.
0: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See,
3: I don't care. I, 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 know I, all I challenge changes. both of you.
1: No. I challenge both of you
3: to, I'm going to send a video in the cinema chat. This is the last thing because we could argue about this all day. Mm-hmm. We got to move on. I'm gonna challenge you and Brandon. I'm gonna send a video in the cinema chat. I'm gonna send it to you. You're gonna watch it. I challenge you to watch it. I challenge you to then rewatch this movie. It could be fucking December thirty first. Nope. nope. But I challenge you to watch this,
1: watch the video, and then rewatch this film.
2: I make you a deal. Make you a deal. I'll rewatch this if you rewatch Tenet.
1: I just I don't understand. I just <laughs> fundamentally, fundamentally do not understand how we're calling this movie bad writing but think a girl who throws up whenever she lies is good writing. Like, what is good about that? It's
0: at least a, a character trait that yeah, endears exactly. you to the character. That's all.
3: Wait,
2: Her entire character isn't based around her puking when she lies. It's such lazy writing.
3: Wait, guys, just just one more question. What character traits does the, the protagonist have? Yeah, I right. I'm, con- what, what I'm confused that on that one. I'm confused on what? And Neil. Like, he's
0: the guy he's the guy that doesn't negotiate that's all he's i know so about dude. Oh, wow. that's, that's such, that's such a great that's, trait. It. that's, that's all such i such care a great about trait. but everybody he's such talks a great to him said he, he doesn't, doesn't even have an a move,
1: just this let's guy. move <laughs> on <laughs> meet us all let's get let's get at it Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so because of that that was so much fun i really want to know what was good for everybody this <laughs> <laughs> That's good, that's good, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Nick kick us off man what's, what's been good for you man
3: well you know Nathan and I actually said this last night when we were watching seven um you know we have not watched I'm gonna I'm go in my letterbox uh, real quick just to just to see <laughs> but you know this week i watched the hunt i watched alien 3 i watched 7 which was a great movie i watched this and i watched first man which none of those movies are not very well known um enough for me to say like oh this is good you should recommend it because i'm not gonna fucking recommend something that everybody's seen Mm -hmm. so i don't have anything oh (laughs) seriously unless unless you want unless you want me to throw it back to like something that i watched in like fucking December yeah yeah which do it which I can't think of anything right now so <laughs> go all get go if you're confused on
1: this go give another watch that's my recommendation
3: go go find some explained videos on YouTube
0: no. all
1: right well I will uh I'm in the same boat as Nick as far as not watching anything good and under the radar seven is great, but I'm not gonna recommend that because it's too well known um, again. I'm going to have to throw it back deep. This isn't a completely under the radar movie. I'm sure everyone listening has heard this movie. I'm just not sure if you've gotten the opportunity to watch it. Uh, Nick and I watched this probably around a year ago uh, from this time, but in 2019 with all the giant blockbusters, all the huge releases that got a ton of attention, um, this fell under the radar. It's a top 10 movie for me of 2019 did not get any love at the Oscars, and that is Smart by Unca Olivia Wilde. I think Smart is a fantastic film. I originally gave it five stars after the first time we watched it and then downgraded it to four and a half, but still a movie that I absolutely loved. I adored everything they did. Um, I'm a big fan of Caitlin Dever ever since uh, she started on Last Man Standing. Um, Olivia Wilde and Greta Gerwig right now I think are my two favorite female directors, both excited to see what they do next. But um, Olivia Wilde really just came on the scene with this movie. Both of our leads were, were great. And it it was really funny and touching at the same time. Like um, the themes it talks about with love and heartbreak, those really hit me hard. I wasn't expecting them to, but at the same time on the other end of the spectrum, it also really made me laugh. So um, I think it's number seven or eight, for my 2019s that in a year where there's endgame star wars irishman this gets lost but book smart's absolutely a movie you should check out
0: i absolutely adored book smart it is it's so good is number 14 on my list of 2019s uh fantastic movie i loved it so so much wow I'm
3: glad i am glad we- i'm the only one who wasn't wasn't a fan of that
0: yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad Phoenix and I finally agree. Booksmart's
2: yeah. number. Uh, it's 30.
3: 18. It's 36 in my 2019 ranked. Wow, really?
2: It's at
0: number eight. All right, all right. Damn, green screen.
3: Your phone. Uh, the for the
2: Chinese theater.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, I love Book uh, Booksmart. That was one of probably like for the longest. It was in my top ten of the year, and it, yeah, it, exactly. it got And then
2: out. I saw more films. Yes, yeah. it's,
1: it's number eight for me.
2: Yeah,
0: great movie. Um, all right, I'm gonna recommend a, a another. Another documentary. I don't know why I keep doing this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm seeing a lot of great documentaries this year. I don't know why, but um, it's, uh, it's also on Netflix. Great documentary. It is called Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. It is a 2020 uh, documentary. Uh, it's about the kids who went to this disability camp in the 1970s and how they were the ones who basically fought for disability rights in America. And uh and it's just a great story of like it's crazy to me how uh you know they had to fight for for this, you know what I'm saying? Like something that is so like we we see it now today, you know, the the ramps on buses that allow people with wheelchairs to get on and stuff like that. Uh, you know, just having the sidewalks have ramps and stuff like that for people in wheelchairs. It's its crazy to me that, um, you know, they had to fight for something that, that is so simple. That's, you know, especially because a disability is the only minority that only minority group that anyone can join at any time. So like, to me, the sheer fact that it was a fight was like, mind blowing. But uh, Crip Camp. It's on Netflix. Fantastic! I hope you check it out. Brandon, what about you?
2: Um, I don't have anything from this week that I watched, but a few weeks ago I watched Palm Springs on uh, Hulu. Uh, it, it was a funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will give it this. I enjoyed it. I I actually I actually enjoyed this film. It it takes the the cliche of Groundhog Day. And takes it into a path of, you can add people into this Groundhog Day with you. I I, I personally loved it. I laughed a lot, so <laughs> I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm not gonna give it a uh, star rating, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Palm Springs my what's good of the week. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't mean to, I don't mean to be down on it. Like
0: I enjoyed it. I just I was. I don't know. I felt that movie got way overpraised. It's good. It's just just way overpraised. Uh
1: so that's Palm Phoenix Springs. And I, yeah. yeah, Phoenix and I did a uh an episode together on Palm Springs. If you look down, however you're listening to this, you can hear our take on that as well.
0: Yeah. Uh so that's Palm Springs, uh Crip Camp, Book Smart, and <laughs> a rewatch of I'm thinking of ending things if you can stomach it. And that's what's good from no, all of us. a
3: video, an explained video of I'm thinking of ending things to at least understand it more. Not asking people to watch a two and a half hour movie. Still bad.
0: Still, still bad. <laughs> that's what's good, what's good from us, guys. So the question that I asked was, since we are currently in the pandemic era, I wondered what movie yeah. did you guys think would could still enter or at least has a chance to enter the Billion Dollar Club. The four uh choices that I gave were Wonder Woman eighty four, Dune, Black Widow, and the Batman. On the in the poll that we have, Batman is it's is, is killing. Like it's I love it for <laughs> Batman. It, it's killing. So I'm curious what you guys think, or if there's another movie that you think could enter the billion-dollar club.
1: Yeah, well, I I think it, of those four options, it's got to be the Batman for me. I think that not only with with the character of Batman is going to draw people out immediately, anyways. Um, so you
2: have all the you have all the little teenage girls who are hot for Robert Pattinson.
1: Yeah, I think that the From Batman his is Twilight just, years is just going to be like. I think it's going to be an event, to be honest, and that's putting my bias aside. I do think that uh, Dune is going to get a good following as well, but Denis Villeneuve hasn't done well at the box office yet, and that's not a fault of his. It's just he's not he's not a well-known director for the general audience, um, and Matt Reeves isn't either by any means, but again, you have a character like Batman who's way more recognizable than, than the Dune story, and I just think that that that's going to do so much better for, for a billion dollars. But I'd be interested to, to think about um, if there's any other than the four you listed that, that would do better. But I, to me, that's the easy choice.
2: Yeah, definitely the Batman. Like I can't think of anything else. Reach the, that, that would reach the billion dollar club while there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> like Tenet tenant did good opening weekend, but it's definitely s- like slowed off. I think they they yeah, they're, they're refusing to share the stats. yeah. They're not even showing their stats, n- and <laughs> I know they got like a hundred million on their opening weekend, but that was it. That's all I saw.
0: Right. Um. I am going to politely disagree. I am going with Black Widow. I think Black Widow will will easily uh, get the billion. And I think because Marvel just has such, such, a name to it, and the fact that it's, you know, it's a Marvel movie, it's Black Widow. She's a beloved character. Even though it's a prequel, I still think, you know, especially if it gets good word of mouth, I think it it has the easiest chance of getting to a billion. Um, the one, actually, that I will throw out there is another Marvel movie, and that's Eternals. I think Eternals stands a good chance of getting a billion dollars as well, only because I think Chloe Zhao, who's the director of that movie, is getting a lot of buzz for her other film, and so a lot of people are going to be interested to check out what she does with the superhero film. So so
1: I, I, I think both of those could easily pass a billion dollars. I agree. But I think the Batman will still make more money than both of those mm. MCU movies. So mm. from that standpoint, I, I, would, I would agree with you that I could see Black Widow making more money than Eternals just because I think Eternals is such an unknown project that not a lot of people are going to go out. Well, obviously a lot, but not a lot of non-MCU fans, non-theater goers are going to come out for that, um, where they would come out for Black Widow. I just think the Batman's going to make more money than Black Widow would
2: see the thing that gets me is for the for the the future of the mcu i'm pretty sure like there's going to be a lot less of an audience going to see these films now because like like let's just say my dad my dad probably doesn't have any interest in the future of the mcu like the main avengers are gone it's going to be tough for people to come back like a lot of people want to go see these marvel movies to see the main avengers and see the um that group of just that the group of the main six and there's that story leading up to infinity war and Endgame. You know what I mean? I, I think actually the one thing that'll benefit
0: the Marvel movies is unfortunately a global pandemic. Uh, the sheer fact that there's been so much time uh, put between the last Marvel movie and the next one is it's, it's almost rebuilding hype in a way for them so that they have a chance to, to recapture that magic. So with that time, uh, space. You know, I was about to say time-space differential. Uh, but like with as much time as has been between Endgame to the next one, uh, I'm sorry, not even Endgame, uh, Far from Home to to Black Widow. I think that'll give us enough of a breather from Marvel movies that will be reengaged once once it comes out, and especially if it's per- the- personally, I don't think in a pandemic era.
3: I don't think any of those movies make a billion dollars. I mean, you know, there's only what, like, is it 20 or 11 movies? How many is it? I think it's like 23 or something like that. Um, but I I don't think, I don't see any of these movies making a billion dollars during a pandemic I think they could be giving away free tickets. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, tenant making 153 million dollars opening weekends great but it would have to stay in theaters a long time to even you know meet those numbers so and i, I want to look to see how many movies have made over a billion dollars but i i don't i don't see any of those
0: i mean just last year seven at least seven disney properties made a billion dollars or more uh i think like two other movies that weren't Uh, Disney made a billion dollars as well so it's a hard it's a hard uh,
3: there's 47 ever
0: yeah Yeah, 47 Um, movies of all time have hit a billion but you know I kind of
3: on Phoenix decide if there was one I think it would be Black Widow because it's Marvel and you know we saw so much with Captain Marvel being the first female lead superhero and you know for this to be the second lead female superhero and for Florence Pugh to kind of shift into that, um, main role of being, uh, Avengers is rumored. Um, I think that could, could make it, but I can see the Batman too, but I just don't see any movies during a pandemic making a billion dollars.
0: All right. Well, sweet. That's a nice, uh, interesting answers. I think, uh, I think we'll just have to see. Um, all right. So let's move on to our discussion this week. Let's all go to the lobby Let's
1: all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby To get ourselves a treat Delicious things to eat The popcorn can't be
0: beat The sparkling drinks are just dandy The chocolate bars and the candy all right, everybody shut up and do what I say Take the money out, all of it Hold on to your butts I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. It's my duty to please that booty. What country you from? What? What What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Yes. (laughs) Then you know what I'm saying. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. super suit what where is my super suit teachers ain't supposed to touch students i'm not a teacher i'm the new basketball coach Happen
2: happened to you man
0: my oh, yeah, ass used to be beautiful i recognize the council has made a decision but given that it's a stupid ass decision i've elected to ignore it the other end And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. We are discussing the entirety (laughs) of the one and only Samuel L. Jackson, his glorious filmography, which is pretty long, I'm not going to lie. It's a lengthy filmography for any actor, but he's been at this for almost, what, 30, 40 years? Something like that.
2: Sam Jackson is the is one of the, the, the only few people that people can't get mad at if he calls you a motherfucker.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <gasps> like he needs to fucking copyright <laughs> that word. Alright. So looking at Samuel L. Jackson. Uh let's kick off with I don't know. Uh I was gonna say your favorite, but how about uh yeah, let's 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 go there. Your favorite what's your favorite Samuel L. Jackson performance? And then we'll do movie. So Nathan, kick us off. What's your favorite Samuel L. Jackson performance that you've seen?
1: Yeah, so one thing that Nick and I always talk about is like what actor we've seen. The most of, and on Letterbox it'll tell you the percentage of how many films you've seen. And then you, if you click on the percentage, it shows you specifically how many movies. And for the longest time, I thought it was Jake Gyllenhaal and J.K. Simmons because I've seen twelve of theirs mm-hmm. logged on Letterbox. And then I got over to Samuel L. Jackson, and I've seen twenty-four, double it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's easily Samuel L. Jackson is the most watched actor uh, for my Letterbox so far, and I think it's deservedly so because. This man's in everything. <laughs> he's in he's in everything big. You know, you got Star Wars, Jurassic Park, the MCU. And even though he's not entirely in the MCU, he's still there. He still gets credit. Um, my favorite performance, though, has got to be this poster right behind me, The Hateful Eight. I think that um, from a performance level, um, everything that that movie talks about, you know, obviously it's a very racist time. Um, he's the only black man surrounded by a bunch of white men who are extremely racist um and he's just a total badass in that movie um that is my favorite performance of his by far and um i don't know if he should have won an oscar for it because he's just so great in everything 2015 was a great year for actors but at the end of the day that's that's definitely my favorite performance of his yeah uh brandon what about
0: you
2: um, for me, it, it's a toss-up between snakes on a plane and Pulp Fiction, because <laughs> they're both fantastic performances. But I think I'm gonna have to go with Pulp Fiction. Nice. Like, I I know like he, that's his most quoted movie, it, but like, it's just his acting. He takes from like already here to like here. He <laughs> elevates it so much, and I I just love it so much. I love his performance. It's it's so fantastic, um, the way he, he just like hell like when he's just like in that opening scene when he's like eating the burger he's like, mmm, burger. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so it's just so funny of a scene because you are like he's trying to be serious and he's enjoying a burger and he just shoots a guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Paul. Paul, fiction is a close second for me because of that opening scene is just so fantastic, but. I just don't think Jules is in Pulp Fiction enough. Yeah. Hateful Eight.
0: Yeah.
1: Hateful Eight. Uh Marquise Warren is the is the centerpiece the entire time. He's almost in every scene. Um and I actually get to see him. Whereas Jules is absolutely a better character, but um he's just not in it enough for me. Ooh.
0: Uh this is tough. I've uh I've seen, according to Letterboxd, I've only seen 19 of his movies, but in actuality, I've probably seen about 50. Uh, (laughs) Just haven't logged them. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like I would definitely lean towards Pulp Fiction, but as I'm going through it, uh, I think the one that I'm gonna go with as a personal favorite is actually going to be coach carter uh personally i just love sports dramas like that's another favorite of uh genre of mine uh and i i love coach coach carter because it's a movie about not just you know the game of basketball which is probably my favorite sport but also it's probably the best uh done sports movie i think i've seen because of how, when you do a sports drama, the one thing that, that I find is problematic in a lot of them is they don't show the game enough. You know what I'm saying? They don't show the process of uh, building a team and, 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 and actually executing on the floor. And then they don't show the games or how, how you win or stuff like that. So what I loved about Coach Carter is that that aspect is definitely explored, but also it's more about teaching young men how to be students as much as it is for them to be athletes. So I dug I dug Coach Carter probably the most. That's probably my favorite performance. Nick, what about you? Um I'm just looking at
3: his filmography. Definitely one of my favorite like movie quotes is him quoting the you know his uh whatever
0: in Pulp Fiction. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Mm, yeah. <laughs>
3: That's it. Um, but my favorite, like Nathan said, is is The Hateful eight. just because he's in it so much more. Um, he's just so iconic in that movie. That movie doesn't get enough love as as a Tarantino film. It's uh, a top three Tarantino movie for me, which is rare to find on Letterboxd, that it's not in somebody's bottom half of Tarantino, which is just criminal. So,
0: <laughs> I, I looked at my uh, Quentin Tarantino ranking, a while ago, as I was like, I was like, oh, I know I got the Hateful Eight in, like, the top five. And then I looked, it was like, no, it's, like, eighth. I was like, what? I'm like, I put the Hateful Eight, eighth? I'm like, and I think that's only because, like, all of Tarantino's movies are, like, great. And then, like, the ninth one is like, inglorious Bastard, so. But, uh, <laughs> so. my head, Yeah. Uh, so, favorite. those are favorite performances. What are do you think well uh, let's let's stick with favorites for now favorite film that he's in and is that still hateful eight as
1: well well i'm gonna give a trio of answers because mm-hmm. um pulp fiction is my favorite of the three i think what it i think Hateful is a better film than pulp fiction i know that's a hot take but um favorites different than better i think pulp fiction just resonates a lot more out of me sticks with me a lot more um so I'm going to go with those two as favorites, Pulp Fiction being, being more so than the other, but I'm also going to go with, obviously he's in Avengers infinity war. So that's obviously a film I love. I don't know if we're going to necessarily count that or not, Um, but I'm going to go with revenge of the Sith. That's a movie, you know, I just watched uh, for the first time in 10 years last weekend, and I absolutely adored it. Um, You know, as, Mace Windu, he's actually very prevalent in Star Wars, unlike he is in the MCU. So, I'm going to go with that. So, Pulp Fiction, Hateful Eight, if we're counting Infinity War, that, and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Got to be all neck and neck at the top.
2: Oh, wow. selling Nathan and I actually agree on.
1: What? <laughs>
0: wow.
2: Shocking. Uh, yeah. no, Revenge of the, for me, it's Revenge of the Sith, um, Pulp Fiction, um, Infinity War, it's just those three movies are just like top tier for me. And Sam Jackson, like, I, I he's like in it, he's in Infinity War for like 30 seconds, but it's just like Sam Jackson is just a fantastic actor. And especially those movies that he's in, it's just like fantastic as well. Except Glass, Glass was meh, but <laughs> but yeah, um, overall, those are my three favorites, um, movies that Sam Jackson's in. Nice.
0: Yeah, uh I you know what? Yeah, if we're picking three. Uh, <laughs> uh I've not seen the Star Wars movies that he's in. I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh so I can't can't really comment there. Uh but personal favorites, uh and this is this is gonna be a shock. Uh, I'm actually shocked no one has mentioned this. Uh the Incredibles. I, I Oh my think, god. Yeah, I, I think he that. Yeah, I think he does amazing in the Incredibles, uh, even though, you know, he's a voice actor in there. But what he brings to Frozone, I think is is incredible. I almost didn't realize it was him. He's just, is really, really talented there. Um, I'm also gonna throw in another one that I think doesn't get a lot of credit and that's uh, The Kingsman. Uh, I think the character that he plays in the Kingsman is oh yeah is like really nuanced. It's really crazy how how good he is as a villain because we often see him as a hero. So like I think it's just crazy how good he is as a as a villain in that movie. Um, and uh, I gotta throw in Django. I think you know you can't go wrong with any any. Tarantino movie that Samuel L. Jackson is in he's going to murder and I think him and Django is another like exceptional role that shows his range and uh, the lengths that he's willing to go to (laughs) for for that narrative so uh, yeah Django Unchained Incredibles and The Kingsman for me Nick? Um, For me um,
3: you know Nathan already touched on Infinity War that's got to be a personal favorite film that he's in I think he's like the narrator in Inglorious Bastards and he's not even like um, like physically in the movie, but that's that's gotta be there. I think as of right now, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Tarantino, but it will probably be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood once I rewatch um, some at the top and then Hateful Eight is probably my second favorite right now before rewatches. Mm. So
0: also, all Tarantino,
3: <laughs> Other than Infinity War,
0: right, right. Okay, mm-hmm. So So, uh, what do would we consider the best uh, Samuel L. Jackson performance?
1: I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna basically hit the same notes you just said. Phoenix, um, I think Django's his best role by far. Mm. Um, just with so there's obviously we know this as film fans, right? We know as people that have watched extensive Samuel L. Jackson filmography, we know how diverse he can be, play a bunch of different characters, got a lot of range, but um, to the common viewer, to someone that doesn't watch a ton of his films, they think he's just the uptight guy that screams a lot. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I can see that. But I think with what he does in Django is so crazy. I think it's, It's easy for people that don't watch movies a ton to not see how good of an actor Sam is because you see him in the capital one commercials and he's just screaming. They know him from Pulp Fiction and he's screaming, you know, and they just think he's the angry black dude a lot, Mm -hmm. but you forget that this man can actually act and Django is that for him. You know, I'm a big, big believer that Django features three best performances by actors, Leo, Jamie Foxx, and Samuel L. Jackson all delivered their best performance of their career, in my opinion, inside of that movie. Um, so, I just love what he's able to bring inside of that film. Yeah, I'm gonna hit, hit on all the same notes as Nathan
3: did as is in Django, um, for him to like look like 30 years older than than he actually did, pull off the the old old man. Um, you know, vibe that he brought in Django and and obviously everything else that Nathan said about it. So Django is probably his best performance
2: for me. Nice. Uh, Brandon? Um, I'm going to have to say Django as well. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, second up would be probably – Pulp Fiction just just from his like I know he's not in the movie as much as he should be, but like his performance in that film is just great. So yeah, it's de- it's definitely Django and then and then Pulp Fiction.
0: Yeah, it is it is uh I, I hate to be <laughs> uh all in line here. That's that's kind of crazy, but um I think when you're talking about best performances, it's hard to look past uh any of the Tarantino films that he's in. Cause I feel like that's just when he just brings his a game. Um, but I am going to disagree. I'm not going to go with Django or Pulp Fiction. I'm actually going to go with a movie that I love and, and appreciate and think oh, it's it coming. I know it's fantastic. Coming. And that is Jackie Brown. I knew it. Yeah. I knew that was coming out of your mouth. Uh, I knew yeah.
3: it. Oh my God. I, I
0: loved Jackie Brown. Uh, thought it was fantastic it was the last Tarantino movie that I had seen and I thought he did sensational in it I think he's a great lead um you know we talk about how he's not featured very much in Pulp Fiction and how he's the main star in Hateful Eight he's also the main star here and uh well probably second main to to Pam Grier but um I think he does he gives a fantastic performance and I love I love all the dialogue and I love how just gangster he is. So, yeah, for me, it's Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. All right. So, that considered, now I would have to say, what is the best? This might, we might run, run around the same answers again, but the best movie that Samuel L. Jackson has done. What would you say is that?
1: If we're I counting Avengers, if we're counting Avengers Infinity War, I'm going to go with that. Um, but obviously he's just in post credit scene there, So if we're not counting that, uh gotta go with Hateful Eight. I think it's a better film than Pulp Fiction. And um yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna go with.
2: Revenge of the Sith.
3: <laughs> I mean it, it has it has to be Rise of Skywalker. I mean that film is just <laughs> brilliantly made. Oh, no, he is in it. He is it, it. ever that. brilliantly made. But no, probably the best film. Uh, I want to say something different than Nathan, but I still have to go. Hateful Eight. I just think it's a great, a greatly. I just think it's one of Tarantino's best made films.
0: So, uh, uh, yeah, that's tough because he's in a lot of the movies that I think are some of the best movies. Period. Um, yeah, that is tough. Uh, I I I don't want to go Tarantino again. I feel like <laughs> like especially with someone who has this long and like deep of a filmography. Uh, th- th- there's just there's a lot of movies that I think he's really great in. Uh, but yeah. I think for me, it's going to be, it's going to be Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction is the best movie. One of the best movies ever made. Uh, Yeah. So the best movie that he's in is, is probably Pulp Fiction. It's just, it's just a classic to me. All right. So uh, I was wondering, I know Nathan and Nick both got around to seeing The Banker, uh, which he's also in. Can y'all tell us a little bit about that? Cause that's next on my watch list. I want to know what you thought of the banker.
1: Yeah. So to be honest with you, like I think that Samuel L. Jackson is a fantastic actor. We know this, like I am not sitting here denying that. I just don't think he has a lot to do in the banker. Like mm. um, non-spoilers, obviously he just plays the old wise character mm. and that's perfect for him. It's just the way that the story is written He's just, there's just two other characters that get a lot more of the spotlight and get a lot more of the plot points. Um, So he just kind of sits around and doesn't do a whole lot. Um, Again, not saying anything bad about him, but like when you conclude watching, you're going to be like, you're going to be talking about Nicholas Holt. You're going to be talking about Anthony Mackie. You're going to be talking about the the story itself. And Samuel L. Jackson's probably not even going to be in the top five or six things you talk about. So, um, I was kind of surprised they got him to be, to be quite frank with you because that role just, you, you could get someone that's not very known to do that role and wouldn't miss a beat. Um, That's at least my opinion of it. He's not bad by any means. Um, It's just, he just doesn't, he's not given a whole lot to do. Um, As far as the movie itself, I absolutely adore the banker. It was my number one of the year until uh, I'm thinking of any things. And it's a movie that I just generally do not understand why people don't like it. I saw Austin Burke, who gives high scores to everything, give this a low score because it didn't do anything different. But I just don't see that. This uh, gained a, it got a lot of emotions out of me. I thought the runtime flew by. I thought it was a great story. A movie that I tie this to very well. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in is Just Mercy because mm-hmm. of the racism because of the great performances by two strong um, actors who like their character knows they're being wronged and wants to make a name for themselves. There's just a lot of similarities between that and Just Mercy. And I think that The Banker does pretty much everything better than Just Mercy does. Is that, did you want me to, to do more or do oh, you no, want no, Nick I- to touch on it too? Yeah,
0: yeah Nick, what, did you have any thoughts on The Banker?
1: Yeah, um, I'm a huge biopic
3: biopic fan, um, you know, and this is kind of like a story that you wouldn't know about necessarily unless you really were deep deep into history. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And in, in thinking of great performances in that movies, Sam Jackson's probably third, um, just based on like his screen time. I think Anthony Mackie and Nicholas Holt are people that I think of before I think of Samuel L. Jackson, but. As a movie itself you know I, I really enjoyed it it was you know my favorite movie of the year for a little bit until I'm thinking of ending things came along um, you know but it's a it's a really it's a really great watch
1: but right up right up the alley with with just mercy as well like yeah said. if you go into this thinking you're gonna get like a, a lot out of Samuel L. Jackson you're just not like he, he he's good there's just nothing for him to do
0: mm. yep Okie dokie. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it either way. So all right. So uh because Samuel L. Jackson is one of the unique actors to have been in like half of Tarantino's filmography, the MCU, uh Star Wars, Kingsman, uh <laughs> uh Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Die Hard, like you know what I'm saying? He's He's been a part of a lot of strong franchises, uh, even Shaft, which is, you know, one that he started. Um, I think, so let's go through those, basically. Uh, I don't know, but you guys can tell me which, I don't know how many Star Wars, I guess he's in one, two, oh, four. about well, four. I mean, he's really only in three,
1: though.
0: Right. <laughs> so, like what's the best performance out of those and
2: uh, anything you want to say about those films revenge of the sith he he because in the first two he he i don't want to spoil too much for you phoenix but it's his role consists of sitting around and doing nothing yeah this third one he actually gets involved and does shit
1: yeah in the first two like in attack of the clones and phantom menace he's restricted to a chair like not like his body or anything like he just he doesn't get out of the chair the whole movie and then the third movie he actually has an important role and for the kind of like whole story of star wars he definitely plays a big part in that third movie performance wise he's great it's just once again like pretty similar to the banker he actually doesn't he doesn't do anything in the first two so gotta go with the third one for that it says he's in the rise of skywalker nah he's really not (laughs) his voice
0: is Yeah, his
1: voice
0: is, and that's it. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, diving specifically into the largest one, uh, the MCU, uh, where you you guys have mentioned Infinity War several times, but, again, in that, he's only given, like,
2: maybe... Ten seconds. Yeah, like ten seconds
0: of that. So, like, uh, I think the movie that he's featured the most in is probably Far From Home.
1: Or Captain Uh, Marvel. Or Captain Marvel. Marvel. Or Avengers. yeah. Yeah, Or Avengers.
0: Or, yeah, Avengers. So, like, what? where would you... What do you think is his best performance
2: in the MCU? First, Avengers. Hmm.
1: Well, I think Captain Marvel, because he's already played this character for several movies, and he has to go back and play a younger version of that character. So I just think what he's asked to do in Captain Marvel is so much different than... like, Like I said when we started this conversation what he's known best for and probably what he's actually best at is being the angry man that screams. Mm. Um, And that's pretty much what Nick Fury is. So um, I don't know, just ask him to do something different to step outside and play a character that he hasn't. And especially he's very prevalent in Captain Marvel. He's, you can't tell that story of Captain Marvel without Nick Fury. So uh, from an MCU standpoint, I think that's his best movie.
0: I am going to disagree. I think, the best movie where, where the character of Nick Fury matters the most to the story is in uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I think he provides the most emotional uh, appeal in that movie and what he adds to that story and, and just the entire aspect of uh, freedom versus, you know, uh, uh, I forgot, uh, law or, or protection or whatever uh just that idea that he brings to that story i think is is really unique and i think it's probably his most standout performance in the entire ncu is what he brings in winter soldier uh nick are you here where'd you go
3: yes yes okay. i'm here i'm just on the letterbox um <laughs> no i i feel like this is the uh agree with Nathan, oh. show oh. out out here um not only is he asked to like do a different role but he's also you know one of the main leads and right. all the Avengers movies that he's in Nick Fury's just kind of like in the backgrounds and you know it's kind of like lean on him when when he's needed like he's not like the first person that you go to when you have like Tony Stark and you know Steve Rogers and Thor like in in all these big movies but for him to be in I wouldn't say the lead, but probably the second, um, you know, the first supporting role. I mean, I think that's that's just saying something for him as a as an actor in that movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dope. All right. So I've not seen Jurassic Park. I don't know how uh, prevalent of a role he has in that movie. Is it? I don't even remember. I haven't seen Jurassic Park in a long time, but I don't remember him in that. All right. Um, another, I will say this, another MCU role that I think he, uh, is really great in, and even though it's literally one line, is the first Iron Man. I think when he's, uh, introduced as Nick Fury, I think, I remember that moment, because I was in theaters, and I was just like, holy shit, like, that's just such a cool moment, and, you know what I'm saying, and then he says, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative, like, that like I lose it every time because I'm just like, it's such a it's such a momentous moment in film. You don't really think it will be, but it ends up being like, Holy shit, this is the this is the game here. Uh so to me I think that's that's a big momentous moment in the MCU uh for that character.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Um I think that's good as well. I don't
2: really know what to say about it. Uh, another, oh sorry, go ahead. I love his, I love his line in Iron Man 2 Like, sir, I'm gonna need you to come out of the donut. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to. Uh, I forgot another uh, franchise that he's
0: a part of is obviously the uh, M Night Shyamalan series: uh, Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. I don't even think he, I don't think he was in Split though, but no, just no. Uh,
2: no.
0: Unbreakable and Glass. Uh, I think, Brandon, you mentioned earlier how
2: you did not like (laughs) Glass. I was was disappointed with Glass because you set up David Dunn as this really important character, and then you kill him off by having him drown in a puddle. (laughs) What the fudge-flipping
1: fuck? Yeah, that's a movie we just don't even really need to to talk about because (laughs) it's so bad. But once again, another great performance by a great actor.
0: I thought he was fantastic and Unbreakable. I thought that was like a really interesting role that he played. And I wasn't, I wasn't high on the movie at first, but I was like, I, I don't know. I just came to appreciate it later, especially for his performance, because I thought he just did something really unique with that character. I have not seen Glass, so thanks for the spoiler there, Brandon. Um, <laughs> it's not worth saying. Honestly, like, it's not a spoiler.
1: He dies in a puddle.
0: <laughs> i'll look you're forward. welcome uh, yeah thanks i look forward to that uh okay doke so let's wind out on a on a different note what do you, aside from glass because i feel like that's that's probably going to take the cake what do you think is his
2: worst performance
1: well gl- gl- he's not a bad performance in glass like, yeah, yeah it's not it's a, a performance a it's movie. just
2: story it's just a bad movie All right? um
1: give me a moment to look at what I've seen
2: yeah
0: I can kick us off yeah go ahead yeah actually um I am actually gonna go with snakes no sorry uh Chirac if anyone has seen Chirac it is a Spike Lee joint uh it is a movie about uh The Chicago violence and how uh, how dangerous it is, and the women who use the power of their genitalia to stop the violence. Uh, He is the narrator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 tagline is "No peace, no peace." You know what I'm
2: saying. (laughs) so like yeah. wait, wait 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 so there's just like gang violence and stuff so, like you just have a bunch of naked women walking up no hey,
0: no. no it's like it's like they they <laughs> basically say no you don't you don't stop the violence you don't get none and basically <laughs> that's what that's what stops the violence oh
3: my god <laughs>
0: it's a very interesting concept but it is it, it fails in the execution uh, he's the narrator. Interesting and, uh,
3: concept. What the?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he plays the narrator. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting role for him. And again, he, he brings it, but it's just, it's such a bad film and the way it's done is just so tacky. So like, yeah, I can't even, can't even give him partial credit for that. Like it's, it's, it, that one's, that one takes the cake.
1: <laughs> well, I found something and, um, <laughs> A movie that I was really excited for that just was really disappointing. Again, a movie that I'm not really sure why Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie mm-hmm. um, The Last Full Measure, which mm-hmm. came out this year, but is a 2019 <laughs> release, uh, starring Sebastian Stan, Christopher Plummer, a great cast. Great so I don't cast. really know what happened, mm-hmm. but this is a movie that's just so forgettable doesn't really do anything well and it's just it's similar storyline to defy bloods as far as like soldiers that were fighting a war and the ptsd didn't feel like they were treated right and samuel L. jackson like plays the older version of you know some a character who was in war and it just samuel L. jackson's good in everything so of course he's good in this but it just Felt odd, everything about this movie felt odd, felt weird. Um, didn't really resonate anything out of me, and honestly, I forgot he was even in this, so um, that's what I'm gonna go with. It, it was just forgettable more than it was anything because he's never bad, I haven't seen him in anything bad, mm. but um, his performance in this is just so forgettable. Yeah,
0: I looked up that cast, that's ridiculous. Sebastian Stan, Christopher Plummer, William Hurt, Ed Harris. Peter Fonda, Jeremy Irvine, Diane Ladd. Like, this should have been crazy good. (laughs) Right,
1: but it wasn't.
2: Wow, that's upsetting.
0: All right, Uh, Brandon, what about you?
2: We're talking performance or movie? Uh, Both. Cause I, I think I don't think
0: he's ever given a bad performance
2: so see it, it's really hard to knock his performances because they're all fantastic but I will say glass is my least favorite Sam Jackson movie mm. oh.
0: okay I, I'm sorry I just I, I just saw this one and this is a bad this I found I think I found the bad performance <laughs> I think I found a bad performance and the and a bad movie it's the great white hype. Never uh, heard of it yeah it's a ni- movie, it. movie from nineteen ninety six It is horrendous, okay <laughs> like when I say it's horrendous, it's horrendous it like I want you guys to watch this movie just to experience how bad it is that like that's what that's what I want for you guys uh the great white hype is, is done in the nineties, so you gotta give it a little bit of leeway just for that, but what it what it says about race. And sports is, is, is awful, It's and it's done in a very, uh, uh, not very tactful way. And his character is very, very uh, uh, out, out there with it, very upfront with it. Hard movie to watch, I'm not going to lie. Probably the worst, I think, of it of anything. Um, Nick, what about you?
3: Um, I got to go with probably an unpopular choice. Um, just like scrolling through his filmography here. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of bad movies that he's in, like Chirac or Glass, but I have seen Kill Bill Volume what? 2. What? Um, Kill Bill Volume 2, I think, is probably one of my least favorite Tarantino films. I think oh, it's you, bottom three with Jackie you, Brown and Death Proof. You
0: sad individual.
3: <laughs> uh, but I don't even remember him in this film, to be honest with you. I'm trying um,
0: to think like he, in
3: volume two, he was Rufus, he was Rufus, um, in the, I, I just looked it up. He was Rufus, but I don't remember who Rufus is or what role he played. Um, but just looking at my, uh, Tarantino list, it has to be in the, in the bottom three. Um,
0: I gotta look that up because I am, like, as much as I I adore that movie, I am drawing a blank of him in it. Yeah, Kill
3: Bill Volume 2 is my least favorite Tarantino
0: film. So it's still a favorite, it's just your least favorite.
3: No, I (laughs) uh, I gave it two and a half stars.
0: Okay, all right, that's not too bad. You're wrong, but it's fine. That's not too bad. I gave
3: Jackie Brown two and a half stars.
0: Yeah, you're wrong there too. It's okay.
3: Uh, <laughs> I mean I, even the original Kill Bill's three stars
0: Yeah yeah see, see super wrong Yeah uh, I do not remember him in this movie At all
3: Yeah so that that's the film that I'm gonna have to go With on that one Wait what was it I'm sorry I wasn't here Kill Bill volume 2
1: Ah uh, yes Rufus, um, Rufus, 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 One thing I wanna kind of shout oh, out Rufus to not... Oh I got it
0: he was the piano player the one that they they shot in the in the church in the beginning.
3: Oh shit. Yeah, yeah you're right. All yeah. Right.
0: There we go. That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah, so one thing that I want to not end on a bad note is I want to give an underrated Samuel L. Jackson film.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and that's going to be Kong Skull Island. This is a movie that I haven't logged on Letterboxd, I haven't seen it in a while. But a movie that I thoroughly enjoy. If you just want to talk about pure action movie um that actually is a somewhat decent script and doesn't just completely throw away any plot points um i really enjoyed kong skull and it's kind of like an mcu alternate reality movie because it's got tom hiddleston samuel jackson and brie larson so (laughs) um i really enjoy this movie i can't wait to watch it again at some point um in the monster verse you Mm -hmm. know we got Godzilla versus Kong. This is the, the movie that introduced Kong. I, I, I love this movie. So Samuel L. Jackson is great in that as well as, as the screaming mad guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, an under, underrated or definitely underappreciated, probably also under known uh, <laughs> a movie that I will toss out is a favorite of mine. Uh, crap, I just had it. Oh, Soul Men which also stars Bernie Mac, uh, I think features one of the funniest scenes ever done in movie history. Uh, super, like, the movie is actually not great, but the comedy is good and just have two two legends in, in film and, and, and comedy in uh, the same movie is great. I think Bernie Mac is hysterical. Uh it's one of my favorite movies, Soul Men. uh yeah, I would definitely encourage you guys to check that one out. That's an underrated favorite of mine. Brandon, what about
2: you? Uh, as in as terms of underrated, um, yeah, this is a tough one, honestly. <laughs> like, Well, I, I will say, I'm going to have to say Incredibles, considering we all like considering, and except for Phoenix, we all completely forgot this film that he was in this film. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Incredibles. Like, just the scene where's my super suit (laughs) so good
0: it's it's amazing how many classic lines he has like I think that along with you know the uh, bible quote from Pulp Fiction and then you know um, tied all these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane like I don't know how he manages to get the most iconic lines ever in movie history but you know Props to his agent. <laughs> yeah, <He's great>. right.
3: <laughs> uh, You know, underrated has to be *Rise of Skywalker*. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: No. Um.
2: Yeah, you're, you're you're gonna turn into Nathan with the Gina Carano. <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah, really it's toxic. Um, I think uh, it's not an underrated movie, but I think a lot of people, if you ask them who was in this movie, you they would not mention Samuel L. Jackson. That has to be *Goodfellas*. Mm. Well, a movie I didn't love on first watch. Um, he was pretty great in that, um, even though he was only in a in a few scenes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I it's funny because I'm like, I go back and forth whether I like Goodfellas or not. Like, it's a good movie. It's extremely long. Uh, i was gonna
3: say it's over two and a half hours. So you might not like it.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, no, I love it. I mean, it's great. It's a great story. It is, it is probably too long, but it's still a great story. All right. So I believe we're going to wrap that up. That was our discussion on Samuel L. Jackson. And now it's time for Film Code. <laughs>
2: And now success. it's time for film code So I, hope I, you guys I didn't even get it. I, I, I even had the time to do it I didn't get a chance to research it this time around uh, This
0: will be fun Well you get to make an a educated guess So uh, it was my code word this week uh, The code word was Foreign And It Oh god what were my clues Jesus <laughs> The code word was Foreign it was a movie from two thousand to two thousand five. It do 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 to do do to do 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 in two thousand five had a yeah. l- female majority, majority cast, female cast and the lead starred in a movie that came out in the last year. So whew, let's try that again. The co war was foreign. It was from a film from two thousand to two thousand five. Was a mostly female cast, and the lead star in a movie that came out in the last year. Uh, Nick, start us off. What do you got?
3: Um, you know, did did my time with the with the research like five minutes ago? Because um, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. But uh, I think I got a pretty good guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: this movie came out in two thousand. Um, called charlie's angels oh That's a terrible score on rotten tomatoes <laughs> or not rotten tomatoes letterboxd at a 2-8 mm-hmm. but i wouldn't put it past you even though like <laughs> um you know like that not so teen movie and like legally blonde all that shit came out in the, the time range um but there was a charlie's angels movie that came out in 2019 whether mm-hmm. there's similar casts or you know cameos or not um but I would assume, I've never seen Charlie's Angels, but I would assume that they would go places like spy shit, like the, the women James Bond. I don't know. That's right. what I would assume. All
0: right.
3: So that's, that's, my, that's my guess. Charlie's Angels.
1: That's a good guess. All right. Nathan, what about you? It was so frustrating because <laughs> you can't sort by foreign films on Letterboxd, at least. Ugh. I don't know if it's a foreign film. I don't think it is. But still, that could have helped. Um there was just no real way to attack this. So I don't know. This is not right. This is not right. But I'm going to at least hit on some of these clues. Um, so the film I went with is an all-female cast. Well, not all, but it, it is mostly a female cast. Um, the Not the lead of this movie, but someone who is in this movie was the lead of a popular, popular film last year. Um, and the director is british so mm. there's the foreign aspect so this isn't going to be right but at least i got the clues uh at least it matches up some of the clues the only thing is this this female is not the lead of this film and that is uh white Olander or white olander oleander oleander there we go Um mm. uh, and that is uh, Renee Zellweger, who I'm referring to, who obviously starred in Judy. I know you at least watched that movie, so right. um, I thought that maybe that, that could go into it. And Peter Kosminski is the director. He's British. Um, so that, that is what I went with, and that is 2002. So at least it fits some of the clues. It's not right, but I'll feel good <laughs> about myself for at least getting, getting some of the clues in there.
0: All right. Well, uh, Brandon, you sure you don't have a guess?
2: I'm just going to follow up on Nick's guess, Charlie's Angels. Give it something.
0: Nice. okay, doke I'm not going to lie, guys. Those are really good guesses. Uh, unfortunately, none of you got it right. <laughs>
1: not surprised.
0: <laughs> Another week in the hole. <laughs> oh, that sucks. But Nathan, really good research, even though it was a frustrating one. You were right about the director being British. You were also right that that is the foreign that I was referring to because it is a British uh, movie. Uh, Your lead, however, uh, was in a movie last year and that movie was The Good Liar and that is Helen Mirren. Dame, Helen Mirren. And the movie is from 2003 and it is called Calendar Girls. It is a movie about a, a group of English older ladies who decide to pose nude for a calendar to raise money for uh, their charity. And uh, yeah, (laughs) it's never uh, heard of either
3: of those films.
0: Yeah. So it's called Calendar Girls. I would highly recommend it. It's very funny. One of the few very uh, funny British comedies that I've come across. Helen Mirren is great in it. And uh, yeah, this is just an interesting concept. That got a lot of buzz back in 2003 for just Purdue. Uh, this is actually a true story uh, that older women post nude for a charity. Uh, and they raised a lot of money. So it was really great. it nocturnal animals. I, I don't know. I haven't seen nocturnal animals. But uh, there you have it. That's your code word this week. Uh, Nathan, I believe you have the code word, the next code word for next week. What do you got?
1: I do. I'm unprepared. Uh, I will send it over in our group chat unfortunately uh sorry to let you down but i need to if i put it on the spot it'll be too easy
0: okay (laughs) all right so that's three weeks in a row no one's gotten the code we're right we're we're right back to where we were in the beginning (laughs) all right me and nathan are still tied at three nick has two brandon has one hopefully we'll uh we'll be we'll start cracking the code again but uh this has been Film Code, guys. Uh, Brandon, let everybody know where they can find you.
2: Uh, you guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C Ears on Twitter. That's Phantasmic Ears. I talk about movies. I talk about Star Wars. talk about Disney. Just follow me over there and see my uh, stuff or, or not. Um, you can also follow me on Letterboxd, same, uh, same handle as my Twitter. Um, but thank you guys again for watching Um, thank you guys for making me officially part of the Film Code Podcast I'm super grateful for you guys and yeah super excited to talk with you guys again next week
0: sweet thanks Brandon Nick where can everybody find you Um,
3: you can find me off on Letterboxd Nick Spain Um, you'll know it when there's like a flash emoji Um, starting our David Fincher watch right now so that should be exciting. Just finished up Wes Anderson. Uh, gonna be doing a lot of fun rewatches, but super happy about the show today. Glad that Brandon could officially join. So super glad to have him along. Ooh. Even though he hated fan, you know, our, our topic.
1: <laughs> Nathan, where can everybody find you, man? You can find me on Letterboxd, at Pig. Got a little lightning symbol next to my name. That's how you know it's me. Uh, Got a lot of hot takes that you can come and and shit on, so I I welcome everyone to do that. Um, Make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at Pod. We do a lot of things to try to interact with our followers and new people. It's easy ways to get shouted out on the show, and we're thinking of kind of doing some new ideas, Uh, so you definitely want to be involved over there. However you're listening to us, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Music, Alexa, whatever form you are listening to us please make sure you drop a positive score um it really helps us reach new audiences you know even though this is our 15th or 16th episode we are still growing um, so we don't have a huge audience yet and every rating goes a long way so we would really appreciate you helping us out and giving us a positive rating
0: all right and my name is phoenix cloud and you guys can find me on twitter at imho reviews one that's the number one and on Letterbox at PA cloudin and like Nathan just said, please follow us on Twitter at Film Code Pod, and we will see you guys next week. Peace.